0: Alright, welcome to another episode of the Snafu Podcast. I'm Rick, your host. With me is Jeff. Howdy. Dale. Hey guys. Pat.
1: Good morning, good afternoon. In case I don't see ya, good evening.
0: It is currently evening in, in the sunny state of Minnesota. Or sunny, frozen state of Minnesota. It's still pretty cold here. Anyway... Welcome to episode three. We're going to talk about a bunch of things. Uh, we have some cool news coming up, uh, as well as we have our first listener feedback, and we wanted to kind of address that. We're uh, also going to talk about Battle of the Bulge book because we there's lots of cool stuff in there, and we wanted to check it out. So let's start with hobby updates. Dale, what are you working on right now?
2: All right, so um, actually the last time that um, we recorded our episode... I felt like I kind of cheaped out a little bit because I didn't really do anything other than think about what would be really cool to do. So I made sure to um, uh, make sure uh, that I got something done so that I could talk about it. So um, previously I've got the uh, the Japanese sitting on my desk and this is just what is remaining from the first order of Japanese I picked up. And so um, I've got those uh, base coated at this point and i got the first wash down and then the first highlight back on all of the uniforms at this point in time and so maybe another couple days worth of work and i'll be able to wrap up wrap up all of those and then because <clears throat> i was waiting for the dip to dry i um i pulled out the medium howitzer you mean wash right? that uh, yeah wash dip it's kind of all the same thing and um and then the uh the Japanese medium tank that I picked up with the army deal. I say medium because it says medium in the uh, in the Japanese book, but I think armor 8 is like a light tank for everybody else. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. So it's a Japanese medium tank, but it's it's the light mm-hmm. tank for everybody else. So. Well, you know, they they consider it huge, right? So <laughs> it's one of the bigger you know. tanks they got. I was I I'm I'm impressed by it but you know I'm used to overselling small things so it works out for me in the end. Nice. And then wow. um, i I've got the uh I've got the um um I've got like four or five orders out for uh, lots of fun cool stuff that hopefully I'll be able to talk about soon. So but it's good. Oh and just um a quick thing um when we came into Bolt Action And I was looking at the miniatures. You guys were bringing in your miniatures first. I came in after you guys because I was just kind of sitting on the fence. And I know that you guys have mentioned a few times how much you really like um, metal miniatures. And the last time I worked this much with metal miniatures was like 15, 20 years ago with Games Workshop and 40 Plague Monks and 40 Skaven Slaves. And I just, it was awful. And so I've always just kind of gone with the plastics. But... These um these veterans, imperial Japanese veterans, um, that I'm going through now, um, they are these metal metal miniatures. You know what? It's um, I'm, you know, I'm kind of on board a little bit. I'm really enjoying these, so it um, that's a good job. So I mean, they're still metal, but I might have to um, I might be a reformed metal fan. I don't know. We'll see. So, but yeah, it's a good good progress for me this this time around.
1: I find that the metal ones uh, glue your fingers less together than the
2: plastic ones do.
3: I find I swear less at my metal ones.
2: Both, both very um, positive aspects that I hadn't thought about. So thanks for that, guys. I feel. <laughs> two, I also feel why I like my metal miniatures.
0: I feel like you're cleaning them a lot less too. To be fair, I don't feel like there's quite as much flashing on metal miniatures, um, and it, they tend to seem to have a little more detail in my in my perspective. But that's just the ones that I've worked with.
2: Yeah, it seems kind of reverse from from the Games Workshop stuff that we've done previously, where um, I, it, I I suspect though that is that's more just because of the timing of the molds and what they were pushing versus Warlord. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah but I think. I'm I'm a fan.
0: I think Games Workshop was really pushing the plastic, like the envelope with plastic, and they were they were we were getting spoiled rotten with them. So I think you know people are catching up, but there's they're they're not where GW was even now. So just takes a matter of time. I think I do remember just reading a story about and uh, correct me if I'm wrong and you guys can post it on Facebook if you want. Um, but I remember hearing something about a bunch of or a couple guys just left GW to do model making for another company, but I can't remember which company it was. But apparently they're pushing they're pushing other companies to move forward as well, which is that was kind of cool. So it's kind of a nice little segue. Uh so Jeff, what are you working on right now? <laughs> Well, I, I think the last episode I'd gotten my
3: order of Dragon Portes in that Crusader Miniatures makes. Um, as the other guys will tell you, I liked them so much I cracked them out on the painting table and got them into a couple games. So I've been very, very happy with those to the point where I ordered I think another dozen or so of them because I'm going to make them most of my frontline infantry from now on. Uh, in addition to that, my other order finally showed up so I have a Primed char B1 bis on my table. I haven't had a chance to paint that yet, but That's probably the heaviest tank at the start of the war that anybody had It's got a 75 millimeter in the hull and a 47 millimeter in a turret Looks a little goofy. It wasn't actually the best tank ever made, but hey, it's kind of fun. So (laughs) There's that but that's most of my table right now, and then I've got a couple other orders out of course for uh, Some terrain I've I've kind of completed what I want for my French army, so we're moving into some terrain pieces
0: now. Cool. Alright, I know I know. he's itching to talk about it, because I've seen pictures of it all week. Pat, what are you working on?
1: Uh, which pictures? We finished up the uh, hedgerows, or bocages, and in fact, those things look so awesome on the table that I ordered a whole bunch more, but that'd be, that's coming from UK, so that'll be a couple weeks before we do those. I wish, you'd know,
0: I wish I'd known you were going to order, because I probably would have hit, hitched a ride on that order, because... It those, from, those do look really nice. Amazon. Oh, okay. Then it wouldn't so have mattered anyway.
1: It's uh, WW Scenics, which has got a great line of historical, uh, actually World War Europe stuff. Really good quality products, at least the ones I've gotten from them are pretty nice.
0: I think I've actually oh. seen them. I've actually eyed up a bunch of his stuff. I, I remember seeing a bunch of his work in weird spots.
1: I do also have ordered from him uh, some, like a desert oasis sort of thing that I'll be doing for... My desert board, ironically enough. And I got that a while ago and I've just been kind of sitting on that because my wife decided that I need to spend some money for her so she let me beg the Pegasus Bridge kit. That big MDF kit from Sarissa Precision. Wow, that was a fun kit to put together. In the instructions, they actually said, get yourself a drink and sit down. I thought that was hysterical. And, well, I did. And it took me about four and a half hours. I mean, all those MDF kits. I always seem to have a little trick to them that you figure out in the first, you know, 20-15 or minutes of what they're actually showing you in their pictures versus what you're actually thinking in your head or what you put together before, but once I got used to that it, was, it went together pretty smoothly actually. Um, it's huge it takes up my table and the floor next to it, but I have it all put together primed. I've got the buildings that come with the kit all together I've also got the bunker all together those are ready to be primed and now I'm just trying to figure out how to get a board together to make the best use of it. Because the actual scenario has, like, essentially, if you are to put this on a 6x4, like, almost two feet down the middle of this, the lengthwise is taken up by the river, the channel or whatever that's there. So, I think for gameplay, I'm going to try and tweak that down to, you know, foot to 15 inches to try and get more playing surface on the board. and Put some put some cool train together just to make use of that. So that's uh, daunting, but uh, Dale encouraged me, said I could do a good job with it. So thanks, Dale. Uh, but now I've got it. I think I'm doing pretty good so far.
2: Yeah, nice. I'm excited. I'm excited to see how that turns out. Now, um, the Pegasus Bridge is this like was this like a real bridge somewhere that played a, a role in in the war, or is it just something cool someone put together?
1: It actually—I uh, don't remember it, what the original name of the bridge—but it was taken by the paratroopers just before D-Day. It was one of the three bridges that they had to take and hold to keep the Germans from reinforcing the, the lan- against the landing. So it was—it was a real thing.
2: Okay, that's—that's that's actually, that makes it uh, even especially more especially cool. So yeah, my only—and and seeing the—and seeing the bridge assembled and everything like that, my only thought—and it sounds like you've already, already, already thought about that—is. It kind of forces the table to be a certain way, but if you can tweak that and come up with something that's going to be cool and interesting, yeah, that'll be awesome. Great centerpiece you, uh, for a table.
3: You all know what the fun solution to that is, Pat, is you just get yourself two four-by-four four tables, scoot them kind of close to each other, and have Pegasus bridge span from one to the next.
1: Hmm.
0: I like where you're going there, Jeff. It's, that sounds,
1: that's a unique setup.
0: Just have it be a gap in the table. It's kind of a cool idea. you right. It's actually a cool story, Dale, if you go and read up on it, because I think the first casualty of D-Day happened on that bridge, but the, there were like paratroopers that literally like landed on the bridge in their gliders, like super close, Yeah. and the Germans like were the, totally caught off guard by it. They the, were like, the oh, ditch, what?
1: The ditch in front of it, yep.
0: Yeah.
1: And they landed on the control side. Now, why they didn't just run that baby up, I I, I don't know, but they <laughs> held, held the bridge. I, I haven't read the story too thoroughly, but it actually does come with three scenarios that circle around the story of it, which is, you know, I mean, obviously they want were designed for you to play these scenarios with it, but of course we could do more than that. So that's the main thing that's sitting on there. I will have to take a small break from that board. I've got some SAS Infantry Special Air Services Britain coming in that I need to paint up before Adepticon hits. So that'll interrupt my uh, fun train stuff when it shows up, but that's that's certainly enough to keep going right now.
0: And I was referring to the bridge because I know you were super excited about it. You put that thing together, yeah. like, you got it and put it together in like a day. Yeah. Which I was, was, I was impressive.
1: I was kind of excited.
0: Very cool. Well, I'm working on those Americans still. i have literally pinning them to magnetized bases and going crazy on them. Uh, I did weird things this week, like, I weighed down all my tanks. So I put. Uh, Carpenter's glue and sand inside all of my tank hulls just to give them some weight, so they don't like. I don't sneeze and make them fly off the table. Um, what else did I do they uh, do? I ordered.
1: they did that too with mine, except I, I had some extra plaster Paris on hand to so use that, but basically the same concept. Because those plastic tanks are really light.
0: Yeah, they, they don't have the heft that you would expect if you pick them up.
1: Well, especially if you get used to the the full cast resin tanks. Yeah. And think you're picking up one of those. Yeah, you're gonna run yeah. into trouble.
0: You feel like you're gonna chuck it across the room on accident um i started putting all my jungles together Uh, i realized i ran i i way underestimated how many palm trees i'm going to need so i ordered another 160 trees this week so we'll see when they get back from asia uh yeah so that's that's the update for me um another positive or awesome news for the week or does anyone have any good thoughts about that
3: I was just going to ask, Rick, you, you are going to actually be able to put miniatures on this table, right? It's not just
0: uh, – Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I don't – you, did you see my one prototype, Jeff? I did, yeah. Okay, so, I mean, it's it's very modular. I'm trying to go for a cohesive look, but I also want it to be modular so you can pull the trees out of the way when you need them to. So all the trees are actually on magnetized basing. Cool. So everything will be – like you can just – when your guys run into, the, into that one set of um, – the, the jungle area they'll be able to move the trees out of the way so you can get in there um, and I'm not making it super dense I just want it to be visually cool from the top look down and you like you get a sense of jungle but I do think I'm gonna start I think I'm going to try and mix in some like stone like some more uh, you know if you look at pictures of the Pacific there's a lot of berms that are all like stony and stuff like that so I'm going to try and add some of that in there as well so I just have some lineness like line of sight blocker stuff that isn't necessarily just jungle cool yeah we'll see we'll see what happens I don't know how far i'll get i'm I'm already thinking I'm scaling back the number of jungles I need because it otherwise they're like four inches away from each other and that just seemed like it might be too much, so hopefully we'll uh I'll get it i'll I'll find the sweet spot in there somewhere hopefully so yeah, and other cool news I think. All four of us, right? All four of us got into the the game day this coming up this summer or this spring.
1: Yes. Um, Correct. Yeah, we. Yeah. I think I think for from our club, Eric also got in too.
3: Yeah, I believe so. we're thirty three percent of that
1: uh, event. <laughs> of of the twelve, five of us. Yeah, we got five.
0: So uh, yeah, it was awesome. It, it was. 12 people are going to get to play in it, which it, it's, it seems a little small, but I understand that this, you know, there's constraints that are outside of Jacob's control on this. Is he's got only so many tables, and he can control the scenarios this way, and he's also at Fantasy Flight, so he's kind of at the whim of the store. Um, but, yeah, we, we're excited to get to play in that. So sign-up was on Friday at noon, and we were all waiting there patiently to try and get onto it. It actually looks like uh, it's going to be fun. There's a lot of good guys playing in it.
1: I had forgot about that, so thanks, whoever threw that text out. I'm like, sitting sitting out with lunch with one of the guys. I'm like, we gotta go back right now. (laughs) What? We gotta go. Pick up your stuff. We gotta go.
3: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that filled in what, 10 minutes, tops?
0: I I don't even think it was that. I honestly think it was like five minutes. I mean, to be fair, it was 12 people, so I can understand it filling up really quickly. But yeah, he could easily have made it 16.
2: I think there are four people on the waiting list. There's four
0: actually. people on the waiting list already, so, so like there
2: were like almost immediately. Yeah, I
0: I know for a fact that there's four people on the waiting list right now. So he could have put it at 16 people and it would have been just fine. But it again, it's there's limitations, and he's looking at trying to scale it up if he can. So hopefully he gets to do that. I'm kind of I'm excited for it. Uh, and it sounds like two of the four of us so far are, are signed up for Bug Eater, which is another uh, event but that one's in Omaha, Nebraska. It's going to be that quite the hike.
1: First weekend in June. It's what? Same drive as going to Adepticon for us. It's
0: kind of close. Yeah, it's 6 hours.
1: It's not too bad actually.
0: No, it's not too far. It's it it doesn't seem like a bad drive other than that you're driving through cornfields the whole time. Less tollways than Chicago,
2: I believe. There are no tollways to to Nebraska.
0: But you need to make sure you drive the speed limit through Iowa. I've gotten a fair number of speeding tickets. <laughs>
2: Like you just, automated. You just have to drive. You have to drive through the right parts of Iowa. Uh,
0: don't drive before. through. Don't drive through Des Moines. BP. Yeah,
2: just avoid Des Moines altogether. Uh, skip Sioux City while you're at it, too.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: Yeah, just, you want to hit 29 before Sioux City if you can. So. Yeah.
0: All I know is I got several speed cameras taking pictures of my car driving through Iowa. Once it made for a really happy weekend after a really happy weekend.
2: <laughs> just one so. Of those- James Bond They're,
3: cars will rotate the plates. Yeah.
2: <laughs> there's two of us, or we'll have to rent a car beforehand. The uh, <laughs> There's two of us who are signed up. How come there aren't four of us signed up? What's going on there? I Go
0: ahead, Jeff.
3: I was just going to say I am waiting for final approval from my boss that I can be gone that many weekends because we've got a couple weekends I'm gone before that, too. Okay. All
2: right. Rick, what's what's your lame excuse?
0: I'm actually in the same boat as Jeff. I have to get approval. Uh, my wife travels for work on occasion, and mm-hmm. there's a chance she might be traveling in that vicinity of time, So I have to make sure that it works with her schedule.
2: Okay. Yeah. I mean, those you can't. Um, yeah. I can see that. So hopefully, it'll be the four of us going down. That'll be fun.
0: I would. I would love to get to go. I'm. I'm hoping we, I get to go.
1: Well, same
3: here. Same here. It looks super fun.
1: This is the first time I'll actually. Even be in Nebraska for crying out loud, let alone down a Bug Eater.
0: You're not missing much. No offense, hey, Nebraska. Nebraska.
2: Omaha, Omaha's nice. Come on, they it's got not. It. It's not my
0: favorite. It's not my favorite thing.
2: Well, all right. So I was born and raised in Nebraska. So I let's, know. You are. <laughs> let's let's be careful here with with where we're going. <laughs> I've I've honestly
0: only ever driven through Nebraska once, so I don't have much perspective on it. I just uh, know it was a very boring yeah, drive on that freeway. All.
2: Honestly, that's all you got to do. If you drive through it once, and you've pretty much seen what's worth seeing. So yeah, like, Woo-hoo, there are some all right. exceptions, but yeah, <laughs> it's exactly what you would expect from the space in between the interesting parts of the country. So,
0: yeah, I mean, it's it's just a bunch of corn. Yeah.
2: Now, with the with the campaign day coming up, now there's two of us that are axes and two of us that are allies. So we might have to put a little uh, podcast wager or or something in the works to make sure that um, Rick is sufficiently motivated to do well. <laughs> I am already I'm already out.
0: <laughs> Seriously, if you looked at the teams are weighted, man, we're, we're in trouble, Dale. Like we don't have a shot.
1: <laughs> How are they weighted? What which ones are you talking about? All right, you want me to
0: go you want me to go read you the list here cuz I'm not I, I'm not going to read the list. You have some fairly good players on your side. I'm not saying we don't have some good players, but I feel like that might be weighed a little on the uh, allies' side. I'm going to play anyway. And... Oh no,
1: I, I saw the list. I was I was grateful I didn't have to, I wasn't going to have to go up against John Stentz at any point.
0: Right. That's <laughs> that was the first name on the list that I saw. I'm like, ah, crap.
3: You know, I did tell Jacob I'll switch hit. I mean, I can play either side here, so maybe I'll have to. You'll have to switch across and save your bacon.
0: <laughs> that would be nice, but I don't know who we'd get rid of. I, it'll be fun regardless and who knows what the plan is and how, how it works we have no idea what exactly his plan is for all of that stuff so I think it'll be a, it'll be an interesting interesting day of hopefully lots of fun it, it'll be fun regardless all the guys on, on the ally side I would love to play against so whether or not uh, whether or not I'm going to win I'll still have fun
2: so I think we'll do fine even the folks on the on the waiting list are, are great guys, so I think uh, I think it's just going to be a great time. They'll be good. We're still going to win, Rick. Have faith, man. There's the master plan, the Axie master plan. We'll, no, we'll you got it.
1: three allies sitting on the waiting list, and you've only got, I think, Paul's your only Axis player on the waiting list.
2: Well, yeah, but, it you know, I mean, Nick Nick's out there on the waiting list. He's a great yep. guy to play with, you know, a couple of the other folks. So I think, um, at the very least, cons afterward will be really good, so... <laughs>
1: Yes, I'm sure we'll have a summary
2: for that. As long
1: as I don't come down with that black plague the night before again, it should be just fine. Please don't. Oh, God. That was was horrible.
0: All right. I think we've covered all of our kind of, like, recent news. I I don't know if we have anything more to talk about with Adepticon. I don't think we've, you know, we're shockingly not very well prepared for it. (laughs)
3: <laughs> a surprise? Hey, remember, Rick, he wants our list three weeks ahead of time, so probably end of this week.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Uh, yeah, I was just actually going to bring that up. You know, and, uh, I think they'll tie into our topic later as far as uh, I haven't even really sat down and wrote a list yet, let alone talk to Jesse about what the heck we can do with it.
0: I was actually just looking at models I could buy to get <laughs> to use in the list. <laughs> I rather only have than, one. Rather than I,
1: looking at your painted Stuff and going. Okay, I could put these together. You're like, what can I buy so I can paint? So I can play it.
0: No, I only have. I there's one particular model that I'd actually be interested in buying and painting. I'll I'll, I'll talk to you about it later. Uh, I don't so. want to I don't want to blow I don't want to blow any secrets beforehand.
1: Your Enigma so, machine. You're gonna paint up your Enigma machine.
0: Yes. Yeah. The Germans had that, didn't they? I It's in a secret yeah, section so on, the, the on the Warlord. <laughs> <laughs> Are we getting into Conflict 47? It was,
2: it was the uh, British, actually. We should make sure that uh, we give credit where it's due in that regard. <laughs> Good
0: Fair point. enough. All right. Well, so a recent book came out. Uh, Pat's been calling it the Normandy book all week. It's actually the Battle of the Bulge book. And I think we're going to briefly talk about it. I don't, I don't know if, Jeff, if you want to give us kind of a rundown and kind of talk about some things because I actually haven't read it yet.
3: Sure, uh, I have only gone cover to cover once on it, so this might not be the the greatest review ever, but let me start from the top and say, if you like World War II, late war, buy this book immediately, because it's awesome. Uh, This is everything I was hoping the new campaign books were going to be. It's got flavorful scenarios that are tied to historical situations. It's got units specific to the battle. Um, I'm not 100% clear if all of these units can be used in generic reinforced platoons or not, but if they can... uh, two thumbs up for me <laughs> on that uh, the history in it's actually excellent they have lots of good little stories that talk about the certain battles um, and again the specifics on the the new units like you get the uh, the panzer the panther sets m10 is in there which is a a fan favorite that's when the Germans took a panther tank uh, and kind of dressed it up to look at it, so it would look like an M10 tank destroyer in profile, which is a, a neat little trick, so that you kind of had to get close to it to know that it wasn't actually an American tank. So good on them. Um, I think there's a couple specific units we want to talk about later, so maybe I'll, I'll get to those in a minute. But the overall impression of this book, excellent, just excellent, and it makes me really hopeful for the future quality of campaign books.
2: So quick, um, I have a one quick, quick question. Side and, note I had in there. Oh, go ahead, Dale. Um, and this might. W- w- work into what Pat's going to ask, I'm not sure, but um, previous to this book, there were the Army books that came out and then, like, theater books, is that right? Um, are, is it is it different? Is there a shift that Warlord is doing now in regards to how they're producing new content, or is this just the same thing in a different package?
3: Um, I feel more like I'm trying to think of a good way to put this that uh, the older campaign books kind of feel like a first draft like this is our first attempt at it and this kind of feels like a final draft so to speak um... it's put together I feel the flow of the book is better it seems more well put together there are more units the more that met ma- that add a specific flavor uh... to the particular campaign um... so there, i mean there's actually a whole extra new army list in here for the late war free French, which is awesome. We've been waiting for that for a long time. So, yeah, I think this is just a better this, quality production. How about so that? So is
2: this more um, more like drilling down into, like, a specific point in time? Weren't the theater books, like, kind of bigger bigger in scope in regards to what yes. they covered? So this is more of, okay, so I'm assuming that there was um, a book that the Battle of the Bulge was included in in one of the theater books. But maybe this is just taking an opportunity for us to drill down and really look at this particular famous battle and kind of just dive into it with a lot more detail. Yes, that
3: that is exactly how I would describe it. Yeah, the old one was uh, uh, D-Day to Berlin, I think. I can't remember the exact name. Battleground Europe? Thank you, yeah, it's the Battleground Europe, and the subtitle I think is D-Day to Berlin. You are correct. But yeah. So that will cover, I mean, that of course, that covers the entire, uh, you know, uh, June 44 to May of 45, and this, this is very specific to the Battle of the Bulge, so it's just December and January and early February of 44 to 45. So, yeah, it's much more focused and specific, so they can really grab something and expand it out, and you can get in depth with the battle itself.
1: Oh, okay. Very cool. All right. Thanks. Yeah, they had, whereas the other books were, like, doing kind of covered campaigns and brought in other lists, like the one uh, the Empire in Flames kind of brought in. Like, you could have a list for China and, you know, other ones that weren't represented in the main books. And they kind of covered larger-scale operations, whereas this one, like Jeff said, it's like two months it's covering. And it, there's specific battles they're actually talking about instead of operations and stuff like that. But the other, the other uh, theater books also did introduce new units, too. And the other thing I was going to bring up is there is a couple... Units in the book that they actually specified that this these unit or this type of equipment can only be used in this. And then, of course, they give the nod, uh, unless your mate's okay with it, you can go ahead and put it whatever you want to. But I think from a tournament standpoint, those type of things will be taken on a case-by-case basis and not necessarily included in the reinforced platoon, with a couple of exceptions, which I think we're actually going to go ahead and cover here in a bit.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know if those, those, if if we if it's been determined whether or not any of the stuff is actually out, available outside of the book. I know in all the other books that everything that's in them has actually been allowed elsewhere. Basically, gets added to the reinforced pl- platoon stuff, so you're able to use it for the most part. I think if I if
1: uh, if I understand correctly, Warlord had eroded the like the first several, and they actually put out like a new units errata, which then made all of those acceptable. If they do that again with this book, that remains to be seen. But they haven't done it this far, and there are a couple of notes just in reading through some of the new units, like the the rifle-mounted grenades, for example. They actually you know specify that this was you know used at this time of the war, not really, and only by these four countries. Obviously, the ones involved in the Battle of the Bulge, which were uh, Germany, American, French, and Britain, I believe it was. And they actually say that, you know, I'm sure other armies had this, so if you can find someone who can do some history, otherwise you can just put in one, but this is really designed to be used in this book with these scenarios. That, at least for that one piece of equipment, that's what I had saw.
0: Gotcha. And, and by the way, no wonder the Germans lost. is three on one. I, I can't understand. This isn't a fair fight.
1: Nice. Are you upset <laughs> that the Germans lost?
0: Not really. I mean, no, not at all, but anyway. Let's also not forget the Russians are kind
3: of carrying all the water for us there. So.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, the, the Russians did do a fair amount of work. That is not – That is not. well, I think that is kind of often forgotten in history, but that's no. – that's this,
3: this side of the pond it is, yeah. yeah.
0: Correct. Well, we barely remember World War II in general in this, in this country at this point. So
2: No, I don't uh, – maybe not. I guess for me the big thing was um, – Obviously, everything I learned in, in school was very um, pro, from a historical perspective, was very pro-America. And so it was interesting to find out that there's this whole other great big world that a lot of stuff happens that the Americans don't necessarily have much to do with. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's probably a fair statement even today in schools. But that's kind of probably getting a little too political for for our podcast. But so let's talk about the few units that we that we saw in the book that I think are that we think are across the board going to be allowed. I we'll see what happens, what Warlord decides. But let's let's talk about the Chaplain because I think the Chaplain is one of the f- one of the two units that I found super intriguing in the book. I haven't, like I said, I haven't read it all yet. But these are, these are things that I've seen, and I'm like, wow, this seems like it could be really awesome. And I think it could change, you know, list building or the meta, at least, to some extent. Who's got the rules for Chaplain? Who can hear me?
1: I got the rules for Chaplain. I, just right. break. I was ready for Intelligence Officer. You threw, for, threw me for a loop. I had oh, me. sorry. I went out
0: of order
3: on the outline. I'm sorry. Yeah, you got, yeah, you got me flipping through the book, too. <laughs>
1: yeah. Unfortunately, I can't tell you what page it is because I, I always get the Kendall version of these so I can always have them in one spot. But the Chaplain is a... Single model, 20 points in experience, 25 regular, 30 vets. Don't know if we want to give that information boldly out or not.
0: Yeah, probably order, not, but cheap order dice.
1: Cheap order dice. Um, he shouldn't come with a weapon, but you can give him a pistol for a point if you really want to, but he shouldn't, air quote, not have not have a weapon. Uh, he's an HQ choice, so he's zero one one to any army. You can't have more than one. Uh, he's got a self-defense, like I said. Really, only if gets if someone charges him is the only time he can actually fight back, basically. Including, if he had a pistol, he can fire on them beforehand. Um, But the big thing that he has is for his order dice, any friendly unit within 6 inches, he can roll a d6. And it's minus 1 if he's inexperienced, plus 1 if he's a vet. So basically at a 4 up, he can remove a pin from a unit within 6 inches of him. Pretty cool mechanic-wise.
0: Yeah, again, cheap order dice, and and a, a cool rule to boot. I think is kind of a cool little addition to every army.
3: It's really good flavor, I think, for the army list. I mean, th- these guys were out there doing their job under fire, <laughs> and I, you know, so it's pretty awesome they finally made rules to include them in an army.
0: I would arguably take him over a medic if it was an available if it was available anywhere. I think it. It seems to play a bigger role more often, especially you got better odds. Equal point, than a medic. Cost. Yeah, wow. and it's about the same.
1: It is, it's 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 proactive versus reactive. Medics always, oh, crap happens. Wait, I have a chance to undo some of the crap that happened. Whereas this, you know, if you got a unit heavily pinned down, you just you know get him within six inches, and he's got, we'll say a 50% chance to get one of those pins off. And let me tell you, the number of times I've missed my order checks by one, huge. Yeah, I,
0: I think that's pretty awesome.
2: There's a there's a couple of things about this that I like. Um, first of all, I think it's really it's really neat or interesting. Um, so Warlords put out um, put out this unit choice, which um, is it, it sounds like it's available to all the armies, and it's for um, it's for a unit that it makes sense is there um, with interesting rules, but it's it's um, I think it's the first thing that I've seen where they've added something that really maybe shifts things a little bit and gets gets all of us to look at our lists maybe in a, in a new or interesting way, which I think um, is a huge deal because that means that Warlord is actually thinking about, okay, so what can we do to change up what our players are looking at or how they're putting their lists together, which I think is really cool because that actually, um, you know, gives this um, weight behind the company knowing that it's still interested in its game it's still trying new and interesting things for the players which is just great for us the other thing that i like about it is that um, it gives us the opportunity to maybe do some kind of interesting modeling or you know i can look at the um, the war in a whole new way were there any famous chaplains or or something like that and it kind of gives my lists or my historical um, armies that I put together a little bit, you know, some extra legs and stuff like that. So it's just another uh, little wrinkle that 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 we as players can kind of, um, you know, just, you know, I, I just I'm actually really excited about this. Not not just because of the rules, which I think are interesting, and there's a lot we can actually dig into. Um, how we you know, you know, when do you use that order dice? Do you use it early? Do you use it late? You know, you know how does it impact the game? Early turns, late turns, that kind of stuff. But just from the aspect that warlord is thinking about this they're sitting there going what can we do to make things interesting and fresh and keep things kind of going forward so big big two thumbs up for me so i think it's awesome
0: yeah i I, everything you just said totally makes sense to me i think i think it's going to blow your mind a little bit more now that we go into the intelligence officer because i think the intelligence officer is the other one that we all kind of looked at and i'm like wow this is this one's really good not a cheap order dice, unfortunately but gives you some pretty cool rules if one of you guys wants to kind of give a rundown, maybe not point cost, but at least a rundown of what's going on there. Don't everyone rush at once.
1: Jeff, you want to take that one?
3: I was going to let you have it. I'm having a little trouble finding it in my book, sorry.
1: Okay, let's um, see. Well, I just successfully looked up the chaplain again, and while I'm actually there, I did see one other little note down there. It does specify that not all... Um, nations or countries at this time actually had chaplains, so feel free to do your research if your particular army had it. and not all of them particularly use them and they are also not allowed and they list several campaigns. They only list them, of course for the four armies that are actually highlighted. And again Great Britain, France, uh, US and Germany. So it's while it is from a mechanic point available to all reinforced platoons, it's you know maybe it might take a little uh, research. I don't know how many, what, you know, which different armies considered their spiritual leader that would be in battle with them. So, just a side note on that. Uh, so, the intelligence officer. Uh, this guy's. I had to do a couple of reads to figure out exactly what he was saying. So, there's two different ways you can get this fellow into your army. And the first one is he's he adds into your your mandatory first or second lieutenant unit. So your first or second lieutenant can have you know one or two other we call bodyguards with him, and this intelligence officer for 30 points as a regular can be added into that. So he has to be in that unit in that respect. Now there are some army selectors that allow you to do a unit of troops that will actually have him in it. So there's two different ways to put him in there, but I think the big primary function that he has, and here's here's where I kind of frown on a little bit, but it makes perfect sense, is once a game once a game, you can use his special ability, which you roll a D6, he's modified the same way I did the Chaplain, minus one experience, plus one for Veteran, but basically on a four up, he gets to choose the first activation, this has to be done at the very beginning of the turn, he can say, alright, I'm going to take my order of dice, and I'm going to activate the tank that's been sitting there before you blow it up. Kind of cool, once a game is kind of, it's like, I guess if they'd made it more than that, it would have been overpowering, but... Once a game seems that you know at the po- at the point cost of just adding him in there, and now you're talking okay, so your intelligence officer and your lieutenant are running around as two-man unit because if you put a bodyguard in there, now they lose that modifier to being a small unit, and they have a better chance of being hit. But so that's that's a one way to get it in. They list several other selectors: United States, uh, Britain, and France. In Germany can all actually, well, Germany may not actually, yes, they do have a different one, I remember reading later in the back. So, very cool. Again, another interesting mechanic they've added in here. And it's interesting how you want to figure out how to put them in your army.
0: Yeah, I, actually, it's something that I just realized while we were looking at, or that you were talking about that, is that it, it, it actually has got a very intriguing side effect that I didn't think about until just now. Is if you take a lieutenant with, with your intelligence officer as your second man, so it's still a small man team, but a sniper shoots at him, he's going to have to make a choice.
1: The sniper gets to choose. Remember, if, I know, if but the unit but, shoots at him. Oh he no, no, no! Had, the, sniper the sniper's
0: going to have to make a choice now. Is it whether or not I want to kill your lieutenant, or do I want to take that dice away from you? Or do I want to take, take that, that opportunity? Yeah. So now all of a sudden that lieutenant choice might be kind of an interesting little... I, I just realized that that actually is going to make it more of a choice than it ever was before. Because if you ever brought a meat shield with your lieutenant, they're going to shoot your, you're going to kill your lieutenant every time, at least now with an intelligence officer attached. Maybe you would and, go after the intelligence officer.
1: It's in just an interesting that, thought. That when you're adding stuff to a unit, they all have to be at the same experience level. So if your officer is regular, that intelligence officer can only be regular. Right. As well. So I, they made a huge point and said it like three different ways in the books. So I just figured I'd throw that out there.
0: Right. So if you have a if you want a veteran cuz they get a bonus if they're veteran, right? So their their dice roll that Correct. they make is so plus 1 when you right. get a when so they they're become a veteran.
1: they they need a 3 right. up to, to trigger their ability if they're a veteran.
0: Does it so I haven't, I haven't actually read through it. Does it explain what happens if both of you have intelligence officers?
1: No, it does not cover that. Not that I saw. Oh, jeez. Well,
0: all right. what are the I odds think, you uh, both
1: want to use it in the exact it, – I mean, it's once a game. So what are the odds you both want to use it in the exact same turn?
0: There's a lot of times it's... where there's a tanky tank and you're like, I want my tank to blow your tank up.
2: It could I also want to make be, sure that happens. It could also be used as a counterplay where, you know, um, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps Rick really wants to go first so he can, he can make that play. And then I'm like, well, if I can deny him that first pull, then I can thwart whatever nefarious plan that he has, he has going on. I, know, I don't think it says it, but I'm assuming that if you both want to do it, you both roll. And then whoever actually rolls the highest is the one that's successful.
1: That, that makes sense. That There's nothing in here that says, you know, simultaneous trigger on opposite right. sides or anything like that.
0: Yeah, they'll have to FAQ that if it actually gets introduced yeah. into like so a reinforced platoon scenario.
1: Warlords, so- that, you know, as most of these games, these game makers aren't notorious for thinking of the, oh, whereas it's, you know, obvious to you and I, we look at it just because they did it tested. Maybe it never came up for them, so they didn't. Think twice about it. Like, what are the guys? They're never going to want to both use them right
2: away. (laughs) Yeah, the um, it's the uh, the German option is slightly different. We don't um, we don't actually get an extra guy. It's an upgrade that you can purchase to your to your lieutenant. So.
1: Oh, Oh, interesting. Here it is. is. Yep, you're right. And both Britain and France can actually get a, a unit that has riflemen and intelligence officer in it instead of just attach the they have both options attach him to the first or second lieutenant or get them in a, in a unit with other riflemen
0: thing that really makes my lieutenant even more of a target if i have that upgrade i'd, I'd rather have it be a separate guy but i'll take whatever i can get the intelligent that intelligence thing i don't know how many times that actually's the next dice that gets pulled is the one that I need to be mine, and it never actually is mine. It's kind of the way I'm, the way I roll.
1: It seems like every single time you need it to be yours, it's not yours, and when you don't care, it's yours.
0: Right, exactly.
3: You're also going to have to remember, Rick, you, you get a chance at it, but I'm pretty sure you only get a chance at it. And if you don't make the roll, that's says one use of the ability.
0: No, I understand. I, I mean, I understand it's, a, it's kind of a gamble, but it's still just an, an interesting new... Rule. I, I love that it's they're they're still adding units to the game or new rule sets to the game. I think that'll that'll help move the game forward in some respect. It'll change the meta at a minimum, right? I don't know that it'll stop people from bringing snipers because I think snipers are still pretty good. But
1: I have yet to have one of my snipers kill anything in all four games I've played them in. So I can't say that I find them very effective at this point.
0: It wasn't your sniper that killed. No, you're on the other side. Never mind. I was going to say someone sniper killed uh, Jeff's artillery piece. Uh, yeah,
1: that that, that, that was, was an awesome. exceptional damage from uh, from a mortar, I believe. Yeah, medium. Oh, mortar that mortar. was a mortar.
0: That was a mortar, right?
1: Yeah,
2: and that was an that, exceptional damage. Which that um, those stinking sniper mortars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine the scope they have in those things. Oh man, that would be awesome. <laughs> I think um, yeah, it's the sniper thing. It's. You know, I mean if I'm thinking competitively, it's it's hundred percent a one plus and every single,
0: well, we'll, single uh, put together. We'll talk about that in about two minutes here. So, so I think that's a kinda nice little segue. Is there anything else about Battle of the Bulge that we want to talk about?
3: Volumes, but not that I'm ready to talk about.
0: Okay, all right. Well we'll I probably get into it further in another episode. We'll probably dedicate a whole episode to the Battle of the Bulge book. I think it was interesting. I actually I, I follow the Bolt Action Group on Reddit. And one of the things I actually saw was that the author posted into one of the, one of the random topics regarding it. And they, uh, he said that he was unaware that the second edition book was being written while he was writing Battle of the Bulge. And they published version two of Bolt Action without even actually talking to him about the Battle of the Bulge book. So how do you guys feel that works out? Do you feel like it's still pretty good? Like, it, Does it reconcile with version two?
3: Near as I can tell, everything seems to jive just fine. So okay,
0: I just thought that was a really interesting little snip- snippet from him. Was like, yeah, they didn't even bother telling me that they were making a new version of the rules. So, I I was like, what <laughs> What is going on here? Uh,
1: nothing stands out. Yeah, same. I I glanced through all the the new units and the things that that they added in there, and nothing fell into that new edition hole or was was uh, grossly outplayed by. Anything else? So maybe that's why they didn't tell him. They knew it wasn't gonna yeah. be a problem.
0: Yeah. Well, I, apparently, maybe. Yeah, maybe the whole time that he's talking about his stuff, and they're like, "Yeah, no worries, it'll be fine."
1: No worries. Don't worry, it'll be doing. fine.
0: Yeah, we we know what you're doing.
1: We have our They'll, intelligence officer over your shoulder.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. So Dale's Dale's uh, sending me a note that says we need a break. I kind of concur. I'm, I'm two beers into our podcast here, so I actually need a a little bathroom break in here. So we'll be back in about three minutes. Hopefully you guys are liking the music that we're playing in the middle here. I I know I'm thoroughly enjoying finding all this kind of cool World War II era stuff. Um, I haven't shared with the guys yet the new opening, but it's going to be the permanent opening now. So hopefully you guys are liking it. We will. Uh, we'll be back in three minutes. All right, guys. I'll, I'm going to be back in like two. I just got to pee.
3: Sounds good. I got to chase the dog away.
0: All right. See you in a sec. back. Anyone back yet? Yep. Was all that noise you or somebody else on here too?
2: Oh, which noise?
3: I hit all right, me. I'm back. Sorry about that.
2: I'm back now as well. All right. Wow. Hey, the gang's all here.
3: Perfect timing. Friggin' pug was going crazy. They do that. <laughs> She's like trying to beat in the door down here in my office. It's crazy. Is <laughs> that so how she got her nose? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> have
2: you um, have you seen the chugs? The uh, chihuahua pug mix? Oh, my God, yes. Go. <laughs> I think they're actually... I, I kind of... Um, yeah, I kind of got sucked right into those. So
3: <laughs> it's hard to say no to those faces.
2: Hey, did you guys get okay, so all your
1: bio stuff into Rick for the website? No. No. Yeah. Am I the only one? Probably. You are the only
0: one. I, I'm. Well, I of course I beat you because I well, actually have stuff. all my stuff. What kind of bio stuff do you want? Well,
1: uh, I just Send him what I sent you
2: is is that kind of what you're looking for
0: yeah i mean as much as you want to i I
2: think i'm gonna write mine like um an online dating service how i would how i how i would describe myself at e-harmony (laughs) if you
1: go look at
0: if you go look at
1: what i wrote on
2: mine like resume style like hey this is what i did so i can do this stuff
3: i'll just put a link to my tinder profile what (laughs) <laughs> if you swipe
2: really left. want to, <laughs> which way which way do you swipe if you don't want the person? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
0: right, I think.
2: I think that's what that'll. That's the entirety of my bio. Swipe right. <laughs> <laughs> I forwarded you what I sent to Rick, you guys.
1: That's just what I did. If that if that helps, it might. Either. If it looks stupid, whatever. It
0: might be too long. That's my only concern given the space. It, yeah.
1: I, I didn't I had enough stuff in there
3: okay
0: you have plenty of stuff in there <laughs> you have your entire well I did ask for a bio I guess I get what I deserve right I I uh, I, don't, I haven't I have not given it a, a look I haven't, I haven't plugged it in yet so I don't know how it's considerably longer than what I wrote if you want it to be that long we can make it happen I just have to figure out how we're going to make it work
1: uh let me know how how it looks if if it needs to be shorter i can
0: have you have you looked at it since i i put your pictures in here so jeff i need a picture of you
3: yeah that's a tough one that's a tough call but i'll get you something
0: if not i'm just going to go to your facebook profile and grab something off of that that
3: would also work
2: (laughs) yeah my bio is going to be swipe right so you're set on me
0: it's just going to say swipe right
2: yeah that's all
0: did you actually do a google search on whether oh, or not.
2: that's a good point. I'm going to do that actually right now. Which way do you swipe to turn
0: how, how, to you, how to use Tinder.
2: I think that's a different podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it might be. You know what? It's great that we're having this conversation now though because it's perfect opening banter.
2: What's our website again? <laughs>
3: great. Way to, way to meta the conversation there, Rick. Jesus.
2: <laughs> it looks like it's swipe left. I can cut left? that out no problem. Swipe left is bad. What
1: is our website again? I can find our Facebook page no problem, but I can not the, the actual website. The
0: snafupodcast.com. Swipe left.
2: Yeah, swipe swipe left. I'm
1: swipe so, left.
0: But but if you want to go check out what the website's going to be in the near future, put slash /test/index.php.
1: Slash oh, I don't understand like those Jesus. things.
0: Okay, here's here here's how this is going to work. I'm going to go there, I'm going to copy it, Okay. I'm okay. going to go to my email, Okay. and so I far, will send it to you. I
1: understand. <laughs> now you're talking my language, short, simple steps.
0: There you go, it's, it's on its way to your, it's on the way to your inbox. It's
2: a magical interweb.
0: I'll be uh, sure to put my profile on my carrier pigeon and send it your way.
2: <laughs> my great, right. my title should be "Winner Winner Chicken Dinner." It's like I'm sticking with that.
0: It's "Winner Winner Chicken Dinner," but that's too long.
2: Oh, I just so, gave you a title of
1: strategist.
0: I'm going I'll make yours "Winner Winner Chicken Dinner," but I'll put the "dinner" part in the beginning of your bio bio part.
2: Okay, that's
0: good. Like yeah. like, mine's mine's "Host with the Most." Facial hair. So, because that actually is true.
1: The most facial hair? Do you have a lot of facial hair? No, I don't. Oh, well, that makes sense then.
0: It looks especially,
2: really good. looks real
0: good. Especially given my, uh, my amazing monkey, monkey tail.
2: tail. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right. Uh, you could hear this. There's like a Pugtona 500 going on upstairs. A Come Pugtona? Over. Dude, that little dog can run fast, and she does circles around the like living room and dining room.
1: Oh, you cropped the book out of
0: the picture. I didn't crop anything out of the picture. It's the shape of the fucking picture. Oh. I didn't have a choice. It's like it covers, yes. It's, it's there if you see it. It's there. It's, it ain't exactly. cropping all the way out. Right. Would, you, would you rather I have the book or your face? the book obviously
3: (laughs) I
1: I should have sent you the other picture I I thought the book was like hey look this guy actually reads the fucking thing he must be great if you you guys guys are going
2: to do color pictures I can colorize mine again I thought the black and white looked like better with how the rest of the website's set up
0: well Jeff's picture's really awesome right now
3: (laughs) hell you can only see my
0: face (laughs) um it's up to you. Did, you. did you black and white yours?
2: Yeah, black and white mine.
0: Oh, I thought it was actually black and white when you sent it to me, but um, it's up to you. It doesn't really matter. I could black and white all of our pictures if you wanted me to, but I, I'm kind of okay with color.
2: Okay, I'll leave mine black and white. I'm okay, curious. so why is there
3: why is there a third episode up here? Am I stupid? What's this shit?
0: It's it's episode two. I'm just I'm I was building it to plan for episode three. So I'll release it. I'll release this uh, new website with episode three.
1: Oh, okay. Thank God you're producing this because this shit's all over my head.
0: Yeah, I got it under control. Hey, this...
3: you know, I was just gonna tell you, Rick. You know, this the picture you're using up here with the guys getting off the boat on D-Day here. Yeah, I've got a much better one. We're out in those smoke clouds. You can see the two at AT-ATs moving up the shore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's
3: that's our Conflict Forty Seven one. Yeah. You no,
2: know, I think <laughs> you could. You could actually do that like a Where's Waldo thing with each release. You could put in little little things in the photos. I mean, it would take accuracy, a lot of work. But it would, be, it would be super cool, you know. See if anybody ever caught on to it. Give Quite one honest. Give them a digital wrist, 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 wristwatch or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, the Casio. They're all wearing Casios.
2: Have the F-15 flying through, you know.
0: I... <laughs> To be fair, I, it looks like I'm doing a lot of work to these, but I'm literally making an image, and it's doing all. This website's doing all the work for me. It's uh, it, I'm not going to go in and Photoshop each image. I'm just I'm cropping it to the size that it requires, and then I'm putting it up. So well, if you
1: don't want any credit, we won't give you any. Yeah,
3: that's I, you can just lay there. It's fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you made three that one.
0: I thankfully wasn't, but. <laughs> Good shit. I, well, so it's funny because I was going to do this and then I'm like, so I was, I was in the process of re mocking up all of our website and I'm like, this would be cool. And then I went in like searched for podcast templates and this one was one of the first and it was like $10 just to buy the code. So I just bought the code. I was like, fuck it. I'm like, I'm not gonna do this all myself. I it's to Dale Dale's told me a long time ago, how much is your time worth? And my time was worth way more than ten dollars. So I was like, fuck it. Bending. And yeah. It, that is not it, what that
2: hobo on the street said. <laughs> well his
0: time his hourly rate is lower than mine.
2: No, no, no. Twenty bucks is still twenty bucks.
0: Fair enough. <laughs> it was like it was this like ten bucks for this template and it it looks great. It does what I need to. What I needed it to. It allows embedded play better than that shitty cast player thing. So.
1: Well, once we get our sponsorships rolling in, we'll we'll get that oh, money recruited
0: Someday, maybe we'll get to. Maybe we'll get a sponsor, but I, we got to be careful how we do that. To Dale's point, I don't want to just whore us out here.
2: We're gonna I'm, sell some dice so that'll pay for it.
0: The ones we're gonna end up painting, because that's the only way this is gonna happen.
2: It'll be it's it'll be easier than you think. We'll I'll just have to find a good uh, matte varnish that we can um,
0: like you know. spray on it or oh, paint on the paint on yeah
2: yeah. So, yeah, I'm well... going to be ordering one here pretty soon because I hear it's pretty good, and we'll see how it goes. A matte out. a
0: matte varnish a paint on matte varnish.
2: Yeah, it's by AP. So one of the um, one of the guys on the bolt action Facebook group um, he painted up some stuff, and there's these flesh tones, and it's awesome. <clears throat> and it's this AP is the name of the company. And so I ordered their whole flesh set and then apparently they have one of the best paint on matte varnishes as well. So gonna hmm. give that a shot too. So. Solid. Cool. No, so all there right. goes.
0: Okay. Well, I think we've bantered enough. I think it's time to get back to the episode here. Well, welcome back. Uh, hopefully you like the music. I don't even know what it's going to be yet, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do that all in post editing. Uh, so our second topic of the night, and I think this is, uh, you know, pretty cool that we're actually getting people responding to us at this point we actually had a a listener write into us uh i maybe i'll put in parentheses he's actually one of our friends so it actually you know he's 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 looking for some advice so i'm gonna downplay
1: it i've
0: got to downplay downplay it it's you know a humble brag a little bit here
1: like we kind of set the guy up I, i swear i did not give him any money to put that question on our facebook page
0: i don't and i don't think we did I don't think anyone paid him any money for this, but it's still a, it's still a valid question either way. So, uh, so I'm just going to read you verbatim what he wrote, uh, so you guys can you guys can we can respond to this because I think it's it is a very important question and I think it's something that we can cover pretty we we've been doing ourselves quite frequently lately. So, Rocky writes us on Facebook: Hey guys, listen to the first two episodes. Great job, boys! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! There you go. See now we're now we're getting back into the. The, the bragging part a little bit. Just a thought for part of an episode that might help noobs, noobs like me. So I think I'm going to... So I think going into list building for a tournament versus a campaign style would you really would really help if... Jesus, I can't read his handwriting. Or how
3: many beers did you have?
0: One and a and a half. All right. They're tall.
3: If it's that a Facebook, Facebook
0: post, how can you not read his handwriting? <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not it wasn't his handwriting. It's his like writing style. <laughs> Hey, guys, listen to <laughs> – all right. So I was thinking
3: – Is it like Comic Sans?
0: No, it's just it's just the way he's writing, and it's like I get like four words a line. It's just – just give me a break here, guys. Come on now. So I was thinking – I think going into list building for a tournament versus a campaign style would really help because I'm never really sure what I can take and when, so I decided to choose a theater to go to the campaign Jeff is running. Just a thought, boys – and again, great job on the podcast. I usually learn some new rules. I think what Rocky's really asking in this question is, is what should I do when I'm playing in a tournament? I, he kind of goes both ways on this question, but I think really what it comes down to is when you're, when you're prepping for a tournament or you're writing a tournament list, what should you do? And I think that's kind of really what it is. He's kind of getting stuck in the, the historical relevance of our campaign or being stuck in certain year groups for, for the campaign. And I think he's really looking at how do I, how do I build a tournament friendly list? So I think that's, that's really what it comes down to. I,
2: I also think there's a small part of it here because I had, I struggled early on too, just trying to work out in the rules. What, how do I put together a list to play? You know, like, um, you know in the previous games it's like okay you need one HQ choice you need these many core, these many specials, these many rares and so when I got to the back of my uh, Imperial Japanese book there's these theater selectors and then there's this bit about a reinforced platoon and so there's all of this information and I didn't really exactly know um, how really within the rules am I supposed to build the list whether it's for a campaign that Jeff was running or if it's for if I'm gonna go to a tournament how how does a player who doesn't who's never built a list before know exactly what he's supposed to bring
0: right because especially because you don't most people don't own all the books right away so a lot of those like theater selectors aren't available unless you have those the campaign book that goes with it or that or that specific theater book so i think yeah so good point
1: it's a it's a simple rtfb read the book in each army book the very beginning they actually tell you what a reinforced platoon is And then you get to the end where the theater, if you actually read, not just get... It is overwhelming when you see all these headings and stuff, but to actually read the flavor text, it actually tells you, this is what was available at this particular type of the war, or at this particular battle, these are the type of troops that were there, you can pick from these. So, it's not laid out pristinely, but it is... Right away, they talk about the reinforced platoon is, one lieutenant, two infantry, plus zero to three infantry, zero to one captain, zero to one medic. And it goes through all of that. And then they do very specifically spell out that these are during this time period, during this point, this place in the war where this type of battle took place,
2: here's the troops that kind of fought it, you could pick from these. So, so that's, if, what,
1: that's what the theater
2: selection is going through. So if it's just the reinforced platoon, um, and it says I can take an infantry unit. Can that be any infantry unit um, from and the book? Like, yep. uh, can it be a veteran unit, or, or should Correct. do I have? Do they all have to start as regular? It's just whatever's in the book. It falls into a specific category, and then that's the qualification.
1: Think of the reinforced platoon as the the uh, the all button, include all, which means you can take anything from any period of the war of. Any battle of the war, anything that that country ever had that fought in World War Two, is available in the reinforced platoon.
2: Oh, all right. Okay. Correct. Well, that, that makes sense.
0: So, so min-maxing is much more capable in a reinforced platoon versus a theater book because, in obviously, in theater books, you're only limited to certain or, or theater li- selectors. That, you're limited by what the
2: what was the era there. is. Yeah, exactly. What was exactly. historically there at that. And because I'm a complete um, scrub at this, what do you mean by min-maxing? Is uh, that a bad thing?
0: I, I don't know if it's a bad thing. It's, it's, it's making the most efficient choices for your entire army. I don't know how else you want to describe min-maxing, but essentially that, it's, it's... I don't think it's, that
1: applies as much to this. When they, when, they, when they break down a really well-structured point-by system that everything goes into... I think that min-maxing capability kind of goes away. I think that min-maxing is a term that's more associated back when we were doing uh, Warhammer Fantasy battles, where you could, you know, I've got this much rare. I need because those rares were that much more powerful than the common than the the regular choice. I needed to spend all my points into this section to try and get the most out of these minimum points. Okay. Right. That that's what you're thinking, Dale.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just—I mean—it's a term that we're re- relatively familiar with, and we use it quite a bit. I just—I don't know who might be listening, and they're like, "Well, what do you exactly do you mean by min-maxing?" But okay, I think that's a fair um, description.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, and and to some extent, I would agree that min-maxing is pretty limited in what this is. But you're going to pick the best choice for every slot, right? So you're going to pick whatever you think is the most efficient infantry so you might pick like for Germans they might pick all vets with all assault rifles and then they might pick a tank that's totally non-relevant to that to your infantry choices you just made that's what I call min maxing in 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 bolt action right
2: so you're building for performance and not necessarily to um, replay a story or
0: Particular Correct. You're taking absolutely zero historical relevance into, into what you're doing.
2: It's all about performance of individual units within the context of the, of the game.
0: Right. That's and kind that of what I'm looking see, at. It. That's why you and
2: see a lot of
1: veteran selections in tournaments, because they okay. do the Reinforced Platoon. Does, and
2: oh, well, that was be my question. The so the Reinforced Platoon is what kind of allows us as players to do that, to take advantage of... You know, if we've collected something that we really love to play and it's also, you know, killer on the, on the tabletop, then the Reinforced Platoon lets us have fun with our best toys. Okay.
0: True. And, and you know, it's not to say that there aren't some, probably some circumstances where, you know, some of that stuff happened. The, the war was pretty big and a lot of things happened during it. I'm sure some of that stuff happened, but historical relevance seems to get thrown out the window a little bit when it comes to the Reinforced Platoon, In my in, at least in my mind. So... Okay. Go ahead.
3: I was going to say, to a degree, I'm going to, I'm going to slightly disagree with the take on that. Merely, merely in so much is that you can make a perfectly balanced historical list out of a generic reinforced selector. Uh, it just allows you to play with all the toys. So the way I look at it is you use the reinforced selector when you're going to be playing a game. And, and, and by that I mean like a pickup game, or this is a game to me with miniatures on a table. And you use a theater selector when you're playing a historical game in my mind.
0: Yeah, that makes that makes sense. I I'm not disagreeing with that. I and I and I from what I've seen so far, I feel like the 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 min-maxing is pretty limited. It's like you said, to Pat's point is that the point buy is almost identical across the board for everyone. So nobody has something that seems to be seemingly is way overpowered comparative to the rest. I think that's kind of one of the best the positives to the game,
3: I think outside of maybe
0: some army rules, but that's another story.
3: I was going to say, I think that's very true for your for your main core rulebook armies uh, and your main, what we think of the traditional main combatants of World War II. Uh, you're going to run into some problems when you get into the smaller factions, uh, Poland, France, maybe not Romania the way our Romanian player plays them, but... A traditional Romanian army, <laughs> they're going to have next to nothing to deal with a late war Tiger II, or God forbid someone actually bought a mouse, um, or an IS-3 or an IS-6. Uh, you can't really even dent that with anything in the France, in the Allies book, uh, or the Romanian short of a, a German 88 in the Romanian army. So there, there is some opportunity for imbalance, but uh, it's it's not terrible.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Okay. All right. So maybe you guys can answer this question then. Like when you're looking at building a, a tournament list, I what are your kind of ground rules or like your your guidelines per se? Like what what are the things that you look for and say? Here are the things that I really think are going to perform the way that I think they should. Or you know. You know, my maybe I'll give an example of this. Like my my particular rule is that I like to shoot for at least a dice for every hundred points. So if we're playing in a thousand point tournament, I want at least ten dice, and I think that's kind of a standard. That's not even just like that's not my thing. That's just like a kind of a standard bolt action thing. What else do you guys look for when you're when you're building lists for a tournament play?
1: I always try and. The dice, what you're saying, makes sense, give or take, plus or minus one or two. But um, for every 250 points that you're playing at, I'd like to try and get an infantry squad. Minimum eight man, I try to max them at ten if I can. If I were countries that had to go higher than ten for maxing, I don't know if I'd do that. So at thousand points, I want to try and make sure I have four infantry squads, not weapon teams, but actual squads that can... uh, have some hardiness and actually stay in stay in the fight a little bit to try and take objectives or at least put pressure and keep keep presence on equal halves of the borders you're moving up. And I always try and make sure I've got something that can deal with armor. Maybe not necessarily very well, but something that has that option. Um, Britain and Russia are two um, Two armies that actually have access to a light howitzer, which has two types of weaponry. It functions as a light howitzer, which is a 2-inch template, plus 2-pen, and also has an anti-tank round, which is a plus 4-pen, which is respectable. It'll take care of a light tank, 8-plus pretty easily. It might struggle a little bit, look for good side shots on, like, a Sherman-style medium tank, 9-plus, but then the heavier ones, well, everyone's screwed anyway, unless you bring a
2: 17-pounder. So I have a question for you, Pat, then. Um, how many... How many options do you think, let's say at a thousand points, and I don't know if that's relative or realistic at a tournament level, but at a thousand points, how many options would you um, want or try to include to deal with armor? Is it just one, or should, should we, would it be better to have more than one?
1: Uh, much like NASA, I agree with the redundancy level. If one's worth taking, two gives you a chance of one happening. So I always try and have two options that are at least at a plus 4 pen value to deal with artillery. So meaning, you know, I'll take my anti-tank howitzer, I'm fortunate having a piece that has the versatility there, and then try and get something else that has a chance with that plus 4, plus 5, whether that be my actual armor on the board, whether I'm putting a tank or an armored car or whatever it is that has that capability. But I always want to make sure I have two chances to deal with a tank because one tank on the board you know granted it's only going to have 6 times to do stuff in a given game on average that's that can really mess with your things and it can certainly take care of it can certainly set up a lot of problems if you can't at least get some pins on it as a minimum
0: sure okay i i agree with pat on that one i almost always try and make sure to have at least two answers for armor yeah, whether or not it's even my my armor. So typically, I count my tank. I usually take a Panzer III or a Panzer IV. Panzer IV uh, yeah, to try to try and answer for it at least, to try and make sure that I have some coverage for, for armor.
2: So yes. Jeff,
1: uh, I'm interested... Anti-tank. Oh,
2: makes me sick. <laughs> I'm interested to get your take on that because I think the few times that we've talked about this... Um, I feel like you've indicated that maybe um, your army kind of is weak in that regard of dealing with enemy armor. Is that the case, or or not so much? And if it is, then what do you do? How do you feel about dealing with armor?
3: (laughs) Uh, So my answer to armor is, uh, France, at any point in the war, the heaviest anti-tank gun we carry is a medium anti-tank gun, uh, which is plus five, which is respectable, but an armor 10 heavy tank I can only glance it to the front and I have to be under half range so generally um, my answer to armor is less about its destruction and more about its neutralization so I will use my free light artillery piece or medium on occasion and my goal isn't to kill the tank so much as to take it out of the fight via pins or the lucky glancing hit to immobilize it or jam its turret off in another direction so my goal any kind of heavy weapon I can put pins on it with, I'm going to try to shoot at it, get it three or four pins so he has to burn the turn, either rallying or failing order tests, and then not worry about it for as much of the game as possible.
2: Okay. Yeah, my limited experience, I, I just ignore the tanks right now. <laughs> and, uh, that's because I, I have a
1: tendency to not pass order tests every time I put the, til- the Matilda on the board. Yeah, against the
2: Matilda it worked out. Against the Sherman this it's last game. It's a standing
1: game, Matilda, not a waltzing it Matilda, It worked out okay.
2: Um, but uh, I'm just, yeah, like I'm I'm trying to see if I can get by with just ignoring the armor, and I don't, it's not, it's been okay, I guess.
3: Yeah, it's, it really depends if you can ignore the armor or not, and it depends how confident that your opponent is with his armor. Some people play armor very cautiously. Some people play armor very cavalierly. Um, if you if you realize your opponent is light on armor penetration so they don't have anything really heavy you should use your tank as a shock vehicle and try to inflict maximum casualties with it because there's almost nothing they can do to you at that point.
0: Having been on both sides of that I can I can say without a doubt if you have a tank and your opponent has nothing to deal with it it's going to wreak havoc. As long as you're pointing it at your opponent and running things over, it's going to be bad times for them.
1: Yeah. yeah keep in mind that even even troops without anti tank weapons can assault tanks, but the they can't. They can't addict. assault. They can't assault you if the, their chances are poor if you've moved, and they can't do it if you ran. So if you run to destroy these units, have a couple of pins on it. That's pretty effective tactics for that stuff with a tank.
0: Yeah, they still got a pretty s- slim chance. I would take my chances running tank at units that I'll have to. Yeah. Three
1: plus whatever else they got going on. Yeah. But if they got if they got anti tank weapons, yeah, granted, most times you it's a twenty point upgrade to a to a unit, and I honestly have never done that yet. So.
0: It's very seldom, unless you unless that's going to be some of your answers for other tanks. Right, if that's going to be some of your anti armor, that's it's not the greatest option for anti armor, but
1: it's a very last resort sort of thing. Like, yep. hey, dude, let's go charge that big metal thing that's been blowing everybody up. Woohoo! Absolutely.
0: Now, of course, I think there might be some circumstances where that might be kind of skewed. I think, like for instance, I as I'm building uh, some American stuff now, I'm looking at Rangers, and I think Rangers with anti tank. Uh, options are pretty good because they're going to be up halfway up the board in, in a lot of games because of their special rules.
1: You want a really good option? Take a bazooka team with a jeep in reserve.
0: Yeah, that that's pretty good too.
1: That bazooka at the range twenty-four makes my Piat team look like just just fledgling. I mean, it's like me standing versus the rock for crying out loud. You know, it just the Piat is very good. It has the exact same damage capability but we've got a 12 inch range
0: yeah yeah the bazooka is pretty good
1: that's terrifying
0: so maybe we can go into that a little bit we're kind of like we're not necessarily meandering here but i think this is all kind of important stuff so like if you guys were to look at your what you typically now we haven't played in a lot of tournament play but we've we we've seen enough of it and i've i think we we've all built some lists around it like what are the things that you would look in, look at almost any army and say these are the things that I would take, these are the things I wouldn't take. Like, uh, for instance, I'll give you an example. I don't think I would typically, even as a German player, that I would typically try and fit. If I didn't like, if I didn't feel like I was limited to what I had painted, bring an MMG. I think MM like a medium machine gun isn't necessarily cost efficient at fifty, 50 points. Uh, I think I can find something better to to put in that slot.
1: The trouble with that is you can only have one per squad for, per platoon.
0: True. Like that's the Americans. Tr- you yeah.
1: can get three. That's actually not too bad of a deal. If you can get dice early on, get them in ambush. You're golden. Those are those are, those are just fine.
0: Yeah. Well. So what I was going to say is like I almost always bring a mortar because I feel like mortars are a little bit better by as far as. Um, that kind of, that anti-infantry, which is kind of what a MMG is supposed to be, right? So a medium machine gun is supposed to be kind of anti-infantry, but it only ever puts one pin on a unit, whereas I can get a, a medium mortar and it'll put D3 pins on a unit and probably kill more guys, too, while it's at it. So, like, in my perspective, I almost always try and bring uh, a mortar in my reinforced platoons. Is there anything you guys, like, are like you think our auto includes? I they don't like to, obviously this is a guideline. I think to to this we don't necessarily have to go into specific armies, but
1: right. We're just talking generally what we are comfortable with putting right. on the table. To the mortars, I don't ever anticipate the mortar actually ever hitting anything. What I want the mortar to do is to make something else move. If they've got like a an air observer who has to be stationary for the fire order to bring that thing in. I want him to think twice about standing there when just last round I had started targeting in on him at a six plus. Now this turn I got a five plus. Does he want to take that chance to call in that air strike and stand still and hit him at a five plus, possibly a four plus in the next turn, or does he need to move? So I always think of mortars as same thing with snipers. You know, Does he want to stay there to get the good sniper shot, or do I want to force him to get out of that position? That's what I think seed mortars. I never planned on them hitting anything, especially since they went to version two with the smoke, and I'm not very fond of that particular change to the rule. Let's just say that.
0: It's not your favorite? Yeah, no, I... I does anyone else have any anything that, like, or is, like... <laughs> you feel like here are your general guidelines. Like we've kind of like, we've gone through, here's your infantry choices. You typically bring some anti, anti-tank anti tech or anti-armor tech. And like, like for me, I, I always try and bring the mortar just because I feel like it's a good choice.
2: I, um, I, I mean, <clears throat> if I was putting together you know a reinforced platoon for, um, for a tournament, I definitely think uh, a sniper would probably end up on my list um, just because it seems like you know the amount of influence that it can put onto the board um, seems to be pretty significant um, and I haven't played with it or against it enough yet to know really how to balance that out or to counter it other than, you know, I'm a new player, I've got my sniper, you've got yours, I'm going to try to kill yours before you kill mine But I'm assuming there's got to be some more nuance to it than just that. So early on for me, at least at this point in time, if I wasn't building for anything other than purely list efficiency, I think a sniper would be something that I would probably put onto the board for sure.
3: I'm going to be a big proponent of that medium machine gun that you don't like (laughs) so much, Rick. Uh, In addition to what we've already discussed in the mortar, my general theory in list building for a tournament is you want... Some guns that are going to make the enemy move, and some guns that are going to make the enemy not want to move. And the machine gun falls into that latter category, where you put that in a good position and shut down a lane, and make it so if they want to come out of that hard cover and advance towards your position or towards an objective, they're going to be eating, you know, four shots uh, in the face. And the other good thing about a machine gun is, is that sniper that's hiding in a building. Yeah, you're probably not going to kill him with a medium machine gun spray, but you might put a pin on him. And every time you put a pin on that guy, he gets less effective. So I find the medium machine gun to be very valuable in that role.
0: Okay. Well, then we, you and I can chat because I have, I have some grand schemes in mind for, <laughs> for some of that stuff. Um,
2: yeah, for the MMG, my only thought for you, Rick, was, um, you know, just put it on the Opal Blitz. It's like 15 points. That's that's where I'm putting all my. I, mean,
0: I so it's funny because I'm kind of I'm starting to move that direction where, y- yeah, you're just sticking them on other things because you might as well. It's just the only unfortunate part about that, and it's something that like we kind of already said is is when you do that, yeah, it's only 15 points, but it's not an order dice, so it you're kind of you're you're losing that extra the extra order dice in there to some extent.
2: Well, you think about it, 50 points for the MMG team, which takes up a spot in your selector, or 15 points to put it onto a transport truck, which already has its own order dice, and makes it much more effective when it's not actually transporting troops. So, it's a no-brainer. Trans- for me,
1: transports but. are really, really easy to be eliminated, though. Well, yeah, that's you know, the downfall. You
2: know, well, you have to, I mean, you have to know what you're doing. And of course, yeah, I mean, that's the downside of it. But, you Having know, the know whole thing, doing? yes. And you think, <laughs> about it, well, snipers are amazing because they can shoot at whatever they want to. And they only ever suffer a negative one, you know, if they lose their friend, um, which lets you shoot at or the pins. other sniper in hardcover. Yeah, or pens, etc. But the idea is that, you know, well, shoot, snipers are overpowered. Well, if you don't give them anything to shoot at, then that's a lot of wasted points. So, you know, there's it's always back and forth in that regard. But for me, MMGs on the Opal Blitz is lots of fun.
3: Yeah, the difference with that, though, Dale, you're going to find, as we move into more terrain-heavy boards, is you can't get that Opal Blitz places that infantry team can go to. So you're never going to be able to dig him into ruins or a bunker or a trench or hard cover unless you're extremely careful with him, which makes it a lot more fragile choice.
2: Yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see how it all plays out. For me, it's it's just shock. Get across the board. You know, dump your load, support fire as you as you get away, and put down those extra pins. So, I mean, it'll be interesting. Again, I I haven't played a lot, but it sounds like fun to me. So,
1: so let me ask this question. So, from you know, putting lists together, just simply to learn what those units do and how they do in this situation. uh, Are there any units you guys have not played yet that you haven't actually put on the table physically?
0: Cavalry. Yeah, I haven't I haven't tested cavalry at all yet, and actually I have another unit that I want to test before Adepticon that um, I find intriguing. Is that part? Because yeah, I'll I'll let you in on the big secret, I, and it's not really a big secret. I think a lot of people actually play it. It's the uh, it's the motorcycle mounted machine gun for the Germans. It's. St- yeah, it's it's pretty good <laughs> for for forty points. You get a regular MMG on a motorcycle that can drive really far, and it ha it's treated what? like a
1: on a road forty eight inches, otherwise twenty four.
0: Yeah, it, and it's well, and it's treated like an armored car with a six up soft skinned uh, armor save. So it's ridiculously good for what it is, and it's. Still an MMG and it can get a lot farther and it's 10 points cheaper than actually having an MMG on the table. So I don't know why anyone is taking a normal MMG when they could take a motorcycle MMG for 10 points cheaper.
3: Because it takes an armored car slot. That's the only, th- yeah,
0: because then you can't take your Puma. You got it. Yep. Well, which which in my circumstance, in the, like in, in Adepticon, I can't really bring the Puma anyway because it doesn't really fit Thematically with our French German theme. So I'm
1: uh, you know pause on that for a half second that you actually uttered the phrase French German theme.
3: What? Is it any different? is it is it really that much different than the uh, British Russian theme?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. What what are we talking about here? <laughs> you guys you guys were shooting at Germans across from each other and you basically just didn't shoot at each other. That's all that really happened. So what are you saying? You guys didn't even fight together.
1: Well, no, we didn't fight against each other, though. So that's got to count for an alliance. Friend of my friend is my see. Enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? is not that how the whole thing goes?
3: Well, I'm, whether they want to talk about it in history or not, there's a good two years where Vichy France fought relatively on the same side as the well, Germans. So
1: that's what I was trying and, to draw at. I knew, I knew you had that.
0: And and there were French that came in to try and save Berlin when it was falling. I mean, there's. There's lots of circumstances where there were some French that were involved in things that, you know, the, go look at like the Charlemagne French that were trying to save Hitler at the end there. it's no, no, I,
3: To be fair, they, they actually mostly just hated communists.
0: But. True. I mean, they were, they were, they looked at it and said, hey, you know, these guys hate communism too. Let's just fight with them. But
3: yep.
0: it doesn't mean that, you know, they weren't fighting on the same side at some, in some points. Absolutely. So, well, so I don't know if we got more that we can talk about this subject.
2: Uh, well, I, um, I'm limited to what I can play based off of what models I actually have painted. So um, I don't think that I have a, a flamethrower, so I haven't played or had those played against me yet. But I think that's one of those things that felt really good in version one when I read those rules. I don't know if they're, they're still going to be really good so flamethrower i think is one of those things that i don't think we've seen yet Um, or really high level um, uh, command choices like a major or captain or anything like that where you can snap to action you know four dudes so
0: like your entire army
2: (laughs) yeah if you're going to pay that much for them it probably would limit the amount of order dice you'd end up with but
0: yeah you'll you'll be pulling like literally all your dice (laughs) out So from my experience or what I've seen, I feel like flamethrowers are still really good. I feel like when you can bring a unit that can have a flamethrower, they tend to do a little better. Um, So like assault engineers are perfect, or most engineering units could take a flamethrower, which I think is a little better because they tend to be less, they're a little little harder to target, right? with snipers and whatever, like snipers can still target them, but they're they seem to be less of a target for some reason. So I feel like units that can bring those types of things can be can be really good. That's that's from my experience from a flamethrower perspective. But I don't know if anyone else has any. I've played a couple both ways, and I feel like the ones inside the units tend to survive longer and do better.
3: Yeah, I'd call that a fair assessment of them.
1: I only get to take them as a the two-man team. And the, the big thing that... So flamethrowers, their role was pretty much like bunker clearers, but, or building clearers, stuff like that, because they, they only take modifiers for moving in pins. They don't consider units being down, they don't consider units in terrain, and they still only do D6, or unless you get a vehicle one, they do 2D6. But... so But I think we've discussed this last time, that people kind of stay clear of buildings this episode because almost anything I mean, they're death traps, pure and simple there's a flamethrower's one more thing that just makes that a bigger death trap that's what I found in flamethrowers anyway, I still, I haven't, I've played against one and I saw one burn a church to the ground, I don't know how sacrilegious that was, but you know, that was very interesting, it took one roll and the unit inside was just gone, it's like huh, hey look, flamethrowers are really interesting against people inside buildings didn't take much which I guess makes sense because it doesn't take a lot to set wood on fire, right?
0: Yeah, they they were good. They're still good. I don't think that's really changed, and I think they're still good against people and buildings.
1: I wouldn't call them an auto include for like a tournament list. I would. I think they'd be fun to throw on the table with one of your buddies, and you know, I mean, I can't put Britain can't put them in units themselves. They they they're a standalone two man team, but so i've never actually included them either
0: that's fair I, like i said i think i tend to typically include them in units that are like assault engineers where i can bring them as a as an upgrade to a unit instead of as a as a standalone piece just from a it it seems to be more efficient that way because that unit is typically going to be like their name says assaulting something
1: right the unit uh, offers them some support Germans right. have that capability US has the capability I know Italians do I don't know if Japan has an upgrade option for engineers in there but there's many countries do have that option for a, a, a squad of guys to have those particular weapon upgrades which gives them a lot of protection until they need to use
2: it I think the the Japanese were more on the receiving end of the of the flamethrowers than than the other side so it's never a good place to be no
0: you don't want to be facing one no. kind of i they might have deserved it to some respect i'm just going to say like they were asking for it
2: i don't think they were actually asking for it <laughs> but i mean war is kind of it was an awful thing but i'm not sure You're right they, were I... going, they weren't going bring it on exactly <laughs>
0: they weren't saying you're right they weren't saying can you please light me on fire but they were still shooting guns at them and popping out of holes in the ground trying to shoot at them so they kind of like i said they kind of asked we're asking for it
2: <laughs> all right yeah so i mean other than other than those things and i haven't played with tanks because i don't really have many but um, you did get yeah, yeah, yourself a chiha my friend i, <laughs> I actually some just, tanks the one i just painted um, is a chiha so there it's there go. so Good. we'll see yeah, it'll be it'll be good. So, uh, yeah, it's but for me, I mean, when we're talking about, I know we we uh, asked a little bit about this earlier. You know, what's what kind of a list or what are you thinking about when you're setting up that list for the tournament? And for me, um, before I even get to the point of unit selection, I actually think about the tournament in regards to you know what what. Um, what are my hopes for my performance or what am I hoping to get out of the tournament because there are a lot of different reasons why we go to tournaments and especially early on like before I was really into into the competitive play end of it for the first year of us participating in tournaments um, I wasn't going to, to be competitive at, at all I was just going to um, you know play as much as I could make as many new friends as I could and learn as much about the tournaments and what how they're scored before I could really give myself the opportunity to think about, okay, for this tournament, under these specific rules, these this is the list that I think is going to do well based off of what my objective for that tournament actually is. Which might be a little different than just, you know, well, we're always going to include this list and you have to have something to deal with armor and stuff like that. So.
1: so you're looking for more of just a to see how the, the quote-unquote tournament scene plays out before you worry about it, I think the tournament scene is actually still kind of growing and developing as this, uh, I think the bolt action is kind of really starting to hit the, the forefront of everything at this point. I'm not sure how overall scoring is going to be.
2: Right, and, and so that's, and that is, I mean, I guess that's part of the fun when you get that tournament pack for the first time as you go through and you read about what the organizers have put together to try to get a sense of, you know, alright, so what can we do at this tournament and, and those kinds of things and that is fun or uh, in the past I found that to be a fun exercise, okay you know, how many, how are they going to score painting, you know, is sportsmanship, does that figure into it, are they is there any composition around list selection and things like that you know um you know how many rounds are there how are they scored all of those things and how they all go into the overall I think with bolt action we're seeing something unique at least for me in that you know there's this historical component in the narrative play and and stuff like that so again that first time out you know it's it's about okay so what is this tournament about how 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 do they play down at this event center or when we go to Bug Eater so how do they do it in Nebraska or ACON you know, what do those folks do? And to just kinda of get a sense of what the community is in the region and, and that kind of stuff. Because you know, the last thing I mean if you think about it, when you know, when we when when things got huge here in our region and we had people traveling in to go to our tournaments from other regions, the East Coast, the West Coast, that kind of stuff, um, you know, we find that it can be very different depending upon where you're coming from. And so I guess I always just try to go, you know, as I don't know not responsibly that's not the right word but go in with an open mind and trying to you know make sure I respect what is in place already
1: so here's what I've always said so you've got the bolt action book everyone has there's 12 scenarios in there every tournament's gonna have some variant thereof whether it's you know we're doing theatrics or we're doing you know who's best general Everything's going to be variant on that. If you just play the game, based on how those scenarios are written, learn to build your list based on you know, take at least a third of those and hope you can have your list do well in a third of those, and you have a chance. And I think we're still kind of seeing the community grow, like Dale was talking about, as far as what scenarios are going to be played, how they're going to be scored, how the overall theme of everything is, and just I mean, really, this is a game for me that is, I'm finally getting into. You know, back when I was doing Warhammer Fantasy, it was, you know, we had to play games, prepare for a tournament, play games, prepare for a tournament, and then the tournament was just like, oh my god, hey, look, I lost all the all but one game. That was outstanding fun. These are more fun for me as everyone is still kind of in the same learning curve as this game is relatively new and is catching fire. And just seeing how these things develop is, is kind of cool from my standpoint. So I, I agree with you are saying, Dales, that we're, we're still trying to find out how these tournaments are going to be what they're going to be and i think that's kind of fun just to just to be at that that point in the game i haven't been i you know i didn't play fantasy back from third fourth fifth sixth edition to where all that stuff was developed early on and now we have a chance in the game that we're playing like you said it's also historically how are they going to tie that element in and and i think that's i think that's the most exciting part about the game for me anyway
0: yeah, I think there's there's something else that you caught on in there that I think was kind of interesting, and that's kind of the the historical relevance of it. So coming from Warhammer, you know, I think there were a lot of people that were just kind of like, ah, screw the fluff, I'm going to make things as broken as I possibly can. Or I'm going mean to break maxing. the rule set. Yeah, I mean, maxing to an extent, right? Whereas they're, they were trying to be as competitive as they possibly could be in forsaking the rules they're just saying screw the rules like I don't need the rules or I don't need the history of it I don't need the fluff but that's because it was fictional right like there was less like actual relevance to it because someone some dude just wrote that stuff you know somewhere in the UK and just you know that was somebody's thoughts whereas I think at least with this there I think uh, there's at least some more consideration to it because it actually happened so, there's something to be said about that, right? Like people aren't just to be like, "Ah, screw, you know, screw this event that happened because you know, I'd rather make it cooler." Like no, I think people are actually trying to be considerate to the fact that you know, like we all I think we all respect that World War II happened, and we respect the people that all fought in it, and I think that's something to be said, like when we're building a list, we're at least trying to take into some historical context as to what we're doing. We may not be perfect. Like I have a puma in my early war Germans, but for the most part, I think we're all trying to be a little bit more respectful of of actual history versus fictional history.
1: I've I've seen a lot of the tournaments actually like want you to kind of come up with a you know a story of why your army you have is what the army you have is, and I, I think that's a cool element. And I think. For me, personally, I mean, I'm not a terrible painter, but I'm pretty sure that best painter, best painted army is well out of my scope of reality. I can just go ahead and admit that now. But I think a chance to actually, like, write a story about what my army was, like you're talking about, you know, and honor those people that actually did physically do this and make it a part of reality that is there that we don't have in fantasy, that we didn't have when we played the fantasy that somebody just made up, I think that's I think that's a cool element that I haven't dealt with in a tabletop strategy game before, or just any game for that matter, before. I think it's got a really cool element to it.
0: Yeah, totally. Cool. Um, is there anything else you want to cover on the idea of making a list? I think, so one of the things that I do and I do this, like I do this all day at work because I get bored. Um, is so if you're not familiar with it there's a there's there are several tools out there that you can use to build your list i typically use the easy army so if you go just search bolt action easy army on the internet you can go look it has a it has like the reinforced platoon selector but it also has all the theater selectors too if you'd rather do that but i mean obviously for most tournament play you're going to use the reinforced platoon so it's kind of it's it's fun to play around with that, you know, get your 1000 point list, try and figure out what 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 you're going to bring in it and you know, like I said, I think we kind of gave you some guidelines early on Rocky because we're still talking to Rocky in some respect here, you know, like what the things you should do to make your list work for a tournament, but I think going into that and playing around trying to find that sweet spot of you know, trying to hit your one dice per 100, make sure you have at least four units of infantry at, at 1,000 points and those kinds of things. But So if you just go do army, I think. Easy, boltaction.easyarmy.com, is that correct?
1: As soon as you hit boltaction.easyarmy, it's going to take you there. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Unless you're not using the Google or some other poor search engine, you'll do all right.
0: Yeah, so if you're not using Yahoo, I think it'll probably take you there.
1: Nice. Or uh, AOL online. Is that the other one?
0: Yeah, they, which still has a million subscribers, by the way, just in case you wanted to know some really bad facts. They still have a million paying dial-up subscribers.
1: Uh, they're not a sponsor for this, are they?
0: No, it's just a really weird Internet, internet shit I know because I work in the Internet business. And it, it makes my head hurt every time I hear it.
2: So how do we, how do we plug into, into that demographic? Subscribing to, the, to, <laughs> those, to the podcast. Probably, they're, they're probably past their prime of yeah. I don't. them know, that's that's gonna be that's gonna be our grandma and grandpa sitting there, and they signed oh. up for something twenty years ago, and they f- forgot about it. And it's just they forgot. They just
0: never can't. Yeah, there. they haven't. They aren't actually using it ever. Oh, no. I think the, I think the only way we get into that demographic is we actually print it in the newspaper, and Yeah, I'm not.
2: uh, Yeah, there we go. We could send we could send a mass emailing about how we're uh, a king in Nigeria. Maybe we can. There we go. That that
0: that might work. I I have no idea, but yeah, it's kind of a crazy little sidestep. But so there's other choices. There's there's like uh, battle scribe. I think is another one. I could never get that one. That one was too confusing for me. But if you're familiar with it. There's a bolt-action option for it, and that and that seems to work for some people. Uh, I'm going to point out, and this is something that I there's like a big strong asterisk next to all of these, is that you, if you're going to a tournament, you should probably still look over your choices versus the book, yeah, just to make sure there isn't some discrepancies. I
1: know both of those you mentioned have discrepancies for at least my army book that I have seen, as well as the American army book, which of course. We share a mortar pool, so yeah. There are definitely some inaccuracies. Don't take them as gospel, take them as good tools to look what you want, and then Yeah. Double check it against your army book. I mean, realistically speaking, you shouldn't be going to a tournament if you don't own your army army book, not to force a dollar sign on you, but I think that's kind of a bare minimum. Or at least if the units you're taking and if you're playing one of the one of the armies that's actually featured in the the bolt-action rule book, and you're only playing the units from that, you're probably safe. But you should have something in paper from Warlord Games that backs up what you're putting on the table if you're going to a tournament. At home? Whatever. All bets are off.
0: Do whatever you want, but yeah, I I think it's almost always a requirement for a tournament is that you have your book and your army book and any relevant FAQs because sometimes that comes up, but I... I don't see hopefully people understand that that's the case I think almost any tournament that's a requirement doesn't matter what gaming system you're in they require that you have your army books or your book with you thankfully this to me this game is fairly cheap in comparison to some others but uh I did I miss anything
1: my checklist is uh is set we got everything everything we set out for
0: I think we're good Sweet.
2: Yeah, Rocky. When you're ready to go to a tournament, I think uh, I think you'll do fine. So you're always one of the best guys to play with. So um, go with your strengths. Have a good time. So yeah, you'll be fine. you will be good. And pay the Americans. That,
0: yeah, pay the Americans. I guess that's the only other thing I have to say about uh, making a platoon or an army list for a tournament. Is that you know this is all obviously. Uh, caveated by the fact that you need to build to your specific army special rules too. Right? I don't know if we, we didn't cover this yet, have we?
1: No. In no, fact, okay. I think that's a great lead into what one of our next episodes or two might be about. Is actually covering each army and their special rules and how that yeah. factors into how you can build those better and how you can actually play to your strengths of your army.
0: Right. So, so I think the key, the key thing I'm trying to say here is just like. These are guidelines. obviously, some sp- special rules around your army are going to supersede anything that we're saying here. you know, just based on what your army has available to you because every army is a little different and And I think that's important to note that these are just obviously guidelines, and I think you can you can change them based on what they are. and I, I think we'll like Pat said, I think we'll delve into more army specific topics in the future. Like we'll talk about just the Americans or the Germans or whoever, and we'll try and like break down what we think are like really good options or what we think are, you know,
1: of course these are just all simply, you know, a collective group of a-holes opinions, right?
0: We got so some, it, we got some good minds in here. Yeah, I'm well, not saying do. mine's mine.
1: And I would maybe, also maybe, like maybe to, not Pat, but. <laughs> what, what the hell do I know? Right. I'm still up at 10 o'clock at night. Um, I'd also like to encourage all of our listeners, and according to records, there has been people downloading this, so whether they listen to it or not, at least they download it. That's very nice. We appreciate that. But send questions in that you have about, you know, or even, like, dude, you guys are full of it. Here's what really goes on at tournaments. Or this is really the best way to lay down a list. You know, give us some feedback on this kind of stuff. So we can, you know, much like Rocky asking us a question, we want to... you know kind of field this to, to you guys right I mean that's that's what we're looking for here is it's, it's ultimately a give and take we do this I mean heck we can sit around the club and talk about it on Thursday night we can give ourselves we can phone call and do this whole thing too but we do it because we want the interaction of questions coming from the community to us and see if we can't figure this whole thing out together right guys that's what we're looking for
0: yep I hate feedback I don't want to hear anything I'm just obviously I'm just kidding I, no, I really appreciate hearing. I've, we've been hearing quite a bit of positive feedback, and I think that's really good for us to keep this moving forward. I, I agree tol- totally with you, Pat, that it, this is a community building thing. We're trying to build, help build community. Uh, the only way it's a community is if it goes both ways, right? So I think it's important that people, if they have questions, that they sh- that absolutely should shoot them at us, and we'll try and, if we can't answer them, we'll find someone that can. That's really our goal.
1: So I think to help both of us out here is I'll, you know, I'll I'll kind of go ahead and we'll talk to you guys, bunks the four of us and kind of get kind of an outline and feel of what we want to do over the next couple episodes, and then we'll we'll put that up on our Facebook page and I think Dale will handle whatever the the tweet Twitter stuff is that what you call that, whatever Twitter is, and kind of give you guys an overview of what's going on so maybe you can get your questions in before we even do the episode and that can help us
2: get that stuff written.
0: That's actually a great idea, Pat. At least uh,
2: posts. I don't know. It's starting to sound a little bit like work. <laughs> I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> yeah, do we'll figure. Dale,
1: all you have to do is read them and tell me what they said, because I don't know what the hell Twitter is.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll figure something out. I know that I know that we've got uh, I know that we've got a Twitter account. Um, Facebook has already been active, so um, yeah. And, and you know, the more we hear from folks, then. Um, the better we're going to understand um, the community, the people who play, what you guys are looking for, what we're, we're completely wrong about. And, you know, we, we, want to be, we want to know what we're talking about. We want to be good at this. And so um, you guys can definitely um, help us out in a, in a really big way in that, in that regard.
0: Awesome. Yeah, so with that, uh, you can find us on Facebook at the Snafu Podcast. Uh, you can like us there if you like us. You only do it if you like us. Don't do it if you just because you feel like you have to. We're not. We're, we're Minnesota Facebook nice hasn't here. Given a dislike, fortunately. So. If you, oh, no. they have. They yeah. have recently. Yeah, they've got the. They see got I, the. See a hub today. I am. They got the angry like. They don't. They, they they give you all sorts of options now.
3: That's not disliking us. That's just everyone showing us their war face. <laughs> I'll
0: take it. Close enough. It means you're not happy. Whatever. Uh, Yeah, we're on Twitter at the Snafu Podcast. I don't think we're quite as active on Twitter as we are anywhere else. Seems like Facebook is where everyone's at. Uh, You can subscribe to us on iTunes at the Snafu Podcast. If you just search Bolt Action, we show up pretty quickly. Look for the giant red and white star circle thing. You'll find us. Uh, We're also now in Google Play as of, I think, Tuesday of this week. I think I got us hooked into it. I can't confirm because I have an Apple device, so I actually have no access to their Google store. i asked my, uh, ask
1: my three-month-old how to figure out how to look for us on Google Play.
0: Perfect. That sounds great because I have no idea how to get in there. What is this thing? Get off my lawn. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> thought I'd throw that in there. Uh, so anyway, I think uh, snafu over and out.
2: Roger that. See you guys.